Welcome guys to the rise of Web3 Meta Games and today it's my first time co-hosting so if you listen a little bit of nervousness in my voice it's because Mo is here and uh, every time that Mo is on stage as a panel uh, I get a little bit stage fright so Mo please do not bring in the heavy guns with you know all your answers because I do not have a follow-up question I'm gonna say that out right now I do not have a good follow-up question but let's have fun today all right so uh, first up guys we have some good stuff to give you guys all right if you guys are wondering what it is it's basically mocha ID codes and uh, at the end of the space, three persons that gives a good question to our you know, panel speakers here, you guys are going to get a Mocha ID code. So if you guys have missed out, uh, you look at my name, it's basically pukerainbow.mocha. Looks a little bit sexy and when you look back at your name, it doesn't have a .mocha. It's a sign that you guys need to get this Mocha ID code. Alright, so end of the space, get your answers, get your questions right. Uh, hop on stage, ask them. If you're a little bit shy, no worries. You know, click on the purple button at the right bottom and ask your question. I'll repeat it. And the Animoca brand 
page will DM you the code itself for you guys to claim it. All right, let's get started. I'm excited. Um, let me check in with Mo. GM, GM, bro. GM, GM, how are you doing? It's great that you're here. Um, hopefully, it won't be me answering all of the heavy questions and for the rest of the team. So you shouldn't be afraid of me today. You should be afraid of them. They're bringing the heavy <laughs> guns. I'm just here to sit back, chill, enjoy the show. Um, answer a few questions and really again it's just great to be here and, and thank you so much for agreeing to co-host like you bring so much energy it's great that you're you're here with us today no worries um you know i i feel like you know especially in q1 there's so many things that we have been cooking i heard bluecon is on the way i'm not going to share too much alpha because today's focus is meta games uh let me check in with a few of the speakers that i have not spoken yet to so i'm going to throw it over to pokto Hey, hey everyone, GM. Um, yeah, thanks for inviting us. Um, so I'm Lionel. Um, I'm a tokenomics analyst within AB um, under Mo. Great guy. I get scared of him sometimes, not all the time, um, but still very lovely. Um, so I've been in with AB for a year. I've worked on a couple of different projects um, within our portfolios across gaming, consumer, infra, culture quite a lot of different things. Um, and at the moment, my kind of primary focus is on the consumer site for projects that I uh, can't really review yet. They're going to be launching soon, very, very soon. Um, stay tuned, but yes. I think currently my main interests are around um, the identity side of things, loyalty, reputation, consumer facing dApps, as well as anything that's NFT kind of related. Um, Lionel is also one of our in-house degens. Um, whenever we follow his calls, he he cashes out, and we all tend to lose money. So I'm just throwing that out there. <laughs> <laughs> but but you know, right? When I co-host a space, uh, all I want to do or touch on is things that you cannot talk on spaces. Um, that's the all. That's that's the most important thing of hosting spaces. But glad you are here. Let me check in with uh, Mama Abdul. Yeah, thank you. Uh, hey, everyone. I'm also Mohammed. I'm a game designer at Animoca Brands. I focus on systems, content, and economies across most of our internal projects, as well as those of our subsidiary studios. And these days, I'm mainly focused on Mochaverse, as well as all our different metagames in development. All right. And last but not least, I'm going to throw it over to Mocha. Mocha7388. No, very inconspicuous. Hi, everyone. I'm uh, Catherine. I'm a senior tokenomics analyst. I've been at Animoca Brands for two years. I've worked with a lot of different projects during that time. Probably the most high profile one that's launched so far is Open Campus, working on the EDU token launch and the publisher NFT sale. Uh, kind of my areas of interest are come from my background in physics, astrophysics research. So I'm interested in data, analytics, modeling, that kind of side of things. But nice to meet you all. All right, awesome. I think today we have a stack panel. Obviously, it's Animoca Tokenomics team. But I want to start something light first uh, before we go on to the heavy stuff. You know, a little bit icebreaking question, right? Because I know for a fact that in 2024, especially right now, token meta is the trend. So first off, how do you guys work under pressure? I mean, it's, it's just pressure to deliver because everything is on this meta. People are hyping on it. So guys, feel free to raise your hand and answer the question. But I would like to get an insight of like, you know, how would you how how are you actually working under pressure what what's pressure um i think we, we bring the pressure um no no all, all jokes aside i think it's it's fundamentally because we've got such a big team and there are so many different skill sets within the team and so many different exposures to different aspects of the, of, of web3 of crypto when we talk about meta games it's not just everyone's doing the same thing it's everyone brings a different experience and offer something slightly different and what those different things are only for the team to get into but really it's a combination of all our, of our different experiences that we're experiencing that we're actually taking part in it's also some different types of innovation it's also what we can actually do from a technical perspective um we have some crazier crazy ideas but then when it comes to technical implementation it's like hey, you can't really do that my contract hasn't been developed for that yet and it would probably take too long to get something like that audit, audited for the time we need to move from 
So that's just a super high level overview. Um, I think we, we might be able to give a little bit of, of alpha here as well. So you, you can loosen the tongue a little bit. Um, but yeah, who, whoever wants to jump in next. Mo, I actually do have a follow-up question with you. Do you think that token has always been the meta? It's just that different faces, people don't really pay attention to it? Oh, good question. I think I think the token's always been a platform or a product within itself. So technically, has it been a meta? Yes, I, I do think it has. Um, it's just, it, it's a, a way to capture attention. Digital assets are just a form of capturing attention. And people find it easier to have their attention caught by an NFT because you can associate a lot more with an NFT, either because of the image associated with it versus a fungible token where I just own X amount of a token and there's lesser of a attachment to that. So yeah, I, I think so. It's a weak answer. I'll, I'll give you that much. It's a weak answer, but I do think so. <laughs> okay, okay. Let me check in with Lino. I want to know how you work under pressure, especially Mo beside you. You know, um, What kind of pressure are you facing each day? Yeah, I was going to say, I think we're all basically diamonds by now, everyone in the team, because um, we've been working pretty closely together uh, through quite a lot, right? So, I mean, obviously, in the past few months, things have been looking a little bit more positive. Like, you know, everyone's like, hey, bull market's coming up. But before this, um, a lot of us, we've been kind of grinding through the bear. So there's been a lot of difficult periods where we have to push through. Um, you know, everyone's always like, hey, why aren't you know when we launch something it's like why isn't it doing well is it because the product's crap is it because you know the market conditions are bad and so there's lots of different kind of like challenges that are thrown on away but i think you know the pc answer i'm going to say as well is that we have a really really strong team um and everybody is kind of like suited to different aspects right so if we run into any challenges there's going to be somebody on the team who knows what to do and to, who knows how to respond so when we do kind of engage with um different projects we're not just like alone as well it's kind of like you have the entire tokenomics team backing you and supporting you throughout so it's very much a team game and we're kind of like all in this together all right all right i want to check in with abdul as well what's what's your thought on the on the question yeah, so uh, working under pressure, I think um, I think everyone has sort of talked about how we're a very diverse team and how we play to each other's strength. I think that's a a very uh, core aspect of uh, you know our team and and how we've been able to to tackle those challenges. I think the interesting part about working not just in games but also in Web three is the speed at which, you know, the, the meta changes, right? There's all sorts of projects working on new ideas and we see them sort of like sink or swim, you know, flourish or, uh, or you know, not really make it. But every single one of them is a learning experience and one that we're able to sort of deconstruct and, you know, understand, you know, where it succeeded, where you know, it could have done a better job and we apply that to our learnings going forward. And that's, that's aside from all our, our processes and our, and our sort of like internal understanding of, you know, the different player personas, different uh, types of uh, motivations that appeal to these personas, the different habits. So I, I think we, we also have a very good internal documentation that we've built over the past couple of years that have really allowed us to you know, move forward uh, very confidently in the space. All right, I, I got to check in with you, bro. Is that a PC answer or a non-PC answer? That, that's the best <laughs> answer I could give. <laughs> all right, all right. So I want, I want to go on to the topic of today, right? Uh, the rise of Web3 meta games. The first time that, you know, uh, the team sent me the title, I, th I thought it was an interesting fact that you guys do, did not use Web3 games, but refer to at meta games. So like, is it something to do similar to like, you know, how people want to sway away from NFT and call it digital collectibles? Um, and right now you're calling it, for example, Web3 game meta games. Is it something like that? Uh, do share. I want to throw it over to Mocha. Um, so, no, I think it's just that we realize that obviously we've got a lot of great products, a lot of great games coming, but obviously these things take time to build and resources to build uh, during that time. So it's like, what can we do to engage 
outside of the game as well. So when we're talking about the meta game, it's kind of like the game outside of the game within there. It's some way that we can engage people within the process and the storytelling of what the token's going to be and what the game's going to be in the future. Do you think Web3 game yeah. uh, is a taboo word? So I, I, can, I can build on that one specifically. I think um, the way we're looking at it isn't uh, about like taboo or not taboo. I think it's, it's very audience specific. And I think our approach to metagames are, you know, they're still games. They're built with a very methodical approach. They're built quickly and they launch two specific audiences. And that these essentially metagames are tied to a much larger narrative play and one that leverages the project's IP. So as a tokenomics team, like we were saying, we're very diverse in skills and, you know, the internal team culture is founded on, on that trust. And so we depend on each other's expertise. So, you know, we lean on each other for, you know, these different facets of the game. And, you know, where I'm mainly focused is, okay, once we have that foundation, you know, how do we build a long term, you know, third, fourth, fifth iteration that utilizes, you know, the emergent gameplay? and continues to introduce new audiences without alienating the previous one. So I don't think it's 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 like a, a, a taboo concept per se. I think it just depends who we're talking about and who we're launching this specific metagame to. Yeah, I feel it's the same as well, right? Because uh, there was one phase last year that you know everybody starts calling NFT uh, digital collectibles, digital avatar. And right now, when when is the like so called the bull market is back, people are like are oh, calling it NFT back, right? So the that whole concept didn't did not stick. Uh, and I feel like that's the way, right? Moving forward, uh, whether it's Web three game, Meta game, um, you know, it's still a possibility that you know people don't really care. In the end, the project has to speak for itself, but since we're in the topic of meta games, I, I want to ask you guys, um, in your personal opinion, what is the tipping point uh, of this so-called meta game narrative to be hyped these days? Because like beginning, I think last mid last year, um, it's just the gamers that is talking about. But right now, every single alpha group, every single KOL is some sort of a Web3 gaming expert, right? So I'm going to pass it back to Mo. What do you think is the tipping point, bro? I think the tipping point is that everyone's an expert. So we're, we're past the point of return from, from that aspect. Um, and I think it's like you said it when, when it was the bear market, no one wanted to call it NFTs. They, they were digital collectibles, this kind of moment, that kind of whatever. But we were abstracting away all of the fancy crypto web three terminology. And as soon as the bull is back, it's just like, yeah, forget all of that. It's an NFT. Let's go make some money. Um, so I think I think that is the tipping point. Um, I mean, it's it's whenever there's there's newfound wealth in any emergent asset class, there will always be people running to try and capture the upside of that wealth, and that's sort of what's happening now. Which isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's just that there's a lot of people in the space. When we talk about personas, it, it's arguably one of the largest personas, if if not the largest persona in the space. Um, so it's when you're trying to design what do these metagames do, and we talk about sinks and faucets or spends and earns, you need a, a decent balance between what's being spent within an ecosystem and how people are earning within that ecosystem as well. But what we've seen over and over again, at least in what we can call GameFi 1.0 from, from a couple of years back from the previous cycle, was that it wasn't sustainable. It was just like crazy rewards, everyone farming and then you literally you, you switch off that sink that um faucet sorry you switch off the tap rewards disappear and lo and behold everyone that was engaging and farming disappears as well and there it's i akin it to for those who've seen lord of the rings if you've seen the third one when the ghost army comes and cleans everything up we're sort of like like the farmers and, and sort of like that they'll, they'll go into an ecosystem suck it dry and then on to the next one um, <laughs> but then all jokes aside we didn't have fun games last time. If we're speaking specifically about game fine and play to earn or play and earn or play and own and earn and all the different variations. That <laughs> give, bro, give me, give me more narrative, bro. Give me more narrative. I'm, as I'm long... feeding you, bro. I'm feeding the beast. <laughs> as long as energy to earn, um, that is a meta. But you say something interesting. You said that the ability to earn maybe it's the... do, do you think the ability to earn is the only attraction people want to go into Web3 games? No, um, we have to believe it's not. We have to genuinely believe that it, it's because of aspects of digital ownership. 
um, where I get to control my assets, I get to control my data. Like these from an underlying and foundational standpoint are obviously extremely important. The earning aspect is important as well, because when we think of Web3 gaming, it's always, it's unsustainable or it's, it's just a fad, it's just a hype. But it has to reach a point, and I feel we'll see that during this cycle where it's not just the hype, it's not just the fad, it's, it's something that sticks, that we hit that point of sustainability because there are playable games and there will be people coming in who are wearing the hat or the persona of, I'm a grinder, I'm someone who's going to come in here and, and, and play a game, I'm someone who's going to come in and spend in this ecosystem um, because I'm, it's fun. Again, when we talk about skins in Fortnite, millions of dollars a month are spent on skins in Fortnite. What do people get? Absolutely nothing. They just get to change the way they look. That's it. But yet, there's, there's like millions and millions of dollars being spent within one ecosystem. Um, so just having that transcend or that shift into Web3. Um, but then I'll, I'll keep some other things in the, in the background, in the locker for, for later on. <laughs> for sure, for sure. But yeah, I, I think for the skins part, bro, it's as simple as I look cooler than you on game. That's it. It's a, I would say, a low-key flex to have a skin much cooler than you. But I, I love where the conversation is going. Um, I, too, want to believe that the earning aspect is not the only reason why people play Web3 game, right? It's a huge component in terms of having a community, having also in-game assets that everything is on-chain, trackable, and stuff like that. All right, before we go on into IP, I know that is a big topic. I want to touch a little bit about tokenomics. Since I have the team here, and I've always been curious about tokens, right? How does bad tokenomics able to ruin a game? I want to throw it over to Liner first, and then over um, to Abdul. Um, yeah, so I think... You know, tokenomics is super important when it comes to, um, you know, Web3 games. One of the challenges, I think, you know, going back to your early question as to the tipping point, right, um, which I think is a good link to this, is that we don't, like, Web3 game, by definition as well, is kind of vague at the moment, right? Like, for different games, there are different Web3 components that are being integrated. Sometimes it's light touch, like skins. Sometimes it's a full-blown economy where the token kind of powers, like, everything that goes on. Um, but for now, like you know, in the current meta, a couple of projects that are launching, they are launching with tokens, and that's where kind of you know our job kind of comes in. Um, I do think that you know, like speculation and all of that is a huge feature um, of Web three games, and it's something that we shouldn't shy away from. But it needs to kind of be embraced in almost like a very safe way, right? And this is where the tokenomics team comes in because we need to make sure that the loops that we design is not as mercenary and it's not as pvp as you know some of the designs that we see out there uh you know the ponzi's kind of get you so far but if the value just is you know constantly being extracted and not being refunneled back into the ecosystem um everyone kind of just loses out and so kind of a big part of our job um, you know everyone in our team is just to make sure that as much as possible there is value being funneled back to the participants within the game. So let's say like if it's a burn mechanism, you know, if someone wants to go for a burn mechanism, we need to make sure that everybody wins, right? It's not just the people that bought in early or it's not just the team that wins. It's it's everybody who has contributed to the game via time, via, you know, like spreading the word on Twitter, um, or, you know, contributing to uh, feedback, game testing, all of that. So you know, all of these things are where the tokens come to play just to make sure that we incentivize these people to do the right things. Okay, I actually have one follow-up question. Um, I just, you know, just kicking my curiosity, right? Does screw-up ever happens? And when it happens, right, how, how fast are you guys able to salvage it? Screw-ups in what way? Like the design <laughs> way? Like or like, design, um... of, design of the tokenomics. Does does that ever happen so far with with you guys? I I think it I think it definitely happens. So I'm not gonna like, you know, be on a high horse and say that we are the best uh, out there and we never make any mistakes, because we definitely do. But I think that's kind of the beauty of Web3, where um because a lot of it is built out in the open, there are ways that, you know, if it's through transparent communication that hey, we kind of like messed up. Um, these are the steps that we can take to kind of fix it. I think that's kind of the first way we'll go about it. The second way is that when we actually design a lot of these mechanisms, we kind of design with a margin for error. So for example, let's say if we want to allocate 
five uh, percent of tokens for uh, ecosystem rewards. Maybe there's a little bit of wiggle room where if something messes up, we could take tokens from let's say the team bucket, right? If the team messed up, did something wrong, maybe we can kind of bootstrap that portion that's missing because of uh, a screw up. But at the end of the day, I think a lot of the designs that we do, again, margin of error, but then we at least at AB are kind of like willing to take responsibility if something goes wrong. All right, uh, that is a good answer. I want to pass it over to Abdul as well, because um, I, I know you guys have been you know, under Animoca Brands itself, you have like 450 plus or you know, portfolio company. Um, is there a perfect tokenomics structure that is already you know, foolproof since you guys have launched so many you know, different types of projects, work with them as well? Yeah, I mean, what we're... Of course, we're very fortunate here at AV. You know, like you're saying, we have all these portfolio companies, all these subsidiaries. So we're able to launch and study all these different genres, demographics, habits, tokenomic structures, you know, and, and to get, uh, you know, feedback, both quantitative and qualitative from hundreds of thousands of, of players and participants all over the world. So I think we've we've been very fortunate in that regard, and we've come to understand the clear variations and motivations across you know the different personas. So whether there are usual gamer personas or financially uh, motivated personas, we're able to break down that further and notice you know where the behavioral differences are. And so we're at a point where we're very methodical, and the kind of experiences we're creating and how we envision them, not just you know. Um, as you know, a first iteration, but something that we continue to build over time. We build an IP, and then we leverage that into an ecosystem play. You know, as, as Mo would say. So I think we've been very fortunate in that regard, and we've definitely built a ton of best practices. And we do have, like I was saying earlier, very strong internal documentation that we've built, both in terms of our understanding of our players as well as the kind of experiences that you know the different personas are shifting towards. And so this allows us to confidently, you know, build going forward. All right. My email is pukecast at gmail.com. All you have to do is send over, you know, that cheat sheet to me. And then uh, I've got the secret of uh, how you guys were working for the past few years. All right, Mo, uh, I put you up on um, the task for can it. I just, can I just add one thing to that? Like every, yeah, different for sure. token, every different token that we design, we get to test a different hypothesis. So we have ideas if we know what things work. Um, Every new token that we get to, to launch gives us an opportunity to try something different and to test out a new hypothesis or to implement or improve upon something. So although mistakes do happen, sometimes they lead to like excellent innovation for the next round. So yes, just to add that. No, Catherine, you, you know why the first uh, first time round when I come in and I ask you guys how do you, you work on pressure, right? Because yeah. like not right now you are telling me that uh, you do, you know, different games, different approach, and then you test out ideas. But these are all ideas that you can't just like, oh, you know, it's an MVP. I'm just testing out. You know, once it's out, it's already out there, right? So like, how do you make sure, you know, all of this? Is it just purely based on, you know, the team experience? Or you guys have like a foolproof plan of like, hey, all right, we test this if we screw up then we can quickly revert back to the always so it's kind of like a, a dual like many different approaches so we obviously have a very detailed like research arm as oka says we have a lot of best practices we know what has worked we know what doesn't work so we can use that also as uh, lionel mentioned earlier when we design these things we try and leave a level of flexibility so that we are able to uh to, to, to move and, and be flexible with changes in the market. So say like some new innovation happens and we want to do something else, like there's some new NFT standard that we want to make use, then we can, we can shift and pivot and there is like wiggle room within that. Um, all right. I want to touch more about, you know, how AB approaches Web3 Gaming, right? Because I most mentioned something very specific, which is Web3 Gaming 1.0. Right now, I'm not too sure. Is it 3.0? Is it 4.0? But uh, what, what has the playbook uh, evolved over time? You know, right now, what kind of paradigm shift are you guys doing in terms of approaching Web3 Gaming? I think it's a great question. And I think within that, paradigm shift or within that iterations like like we like to call it internally it's realizing that for some 
projects, having a token specific to that project makes sense. And in other instances, it, it, there might be maybe an ecosystem token that multiple different projects can leverage. And then so we can talk about network effects. And again, when we say the meta game, the meta game is fundamentally, as Catherine, Catherine said, it's the game outside of the game. And it's how do you funnel attention and keep attention around IP, keep attention around announcements that are happening around in-game activity and that's what filters out into web3 if it's via nfts or if it's via the, the fungible token so it's trying to it's a bit like being a witch and trying to create the perfect potion you spend a little bit of this and you sprinkle a bit of that and then some some toenails and some dust or whatever else witches use for their for their potions in this very poorly worded um, analogy but yeah no you you guys get the idea and i think it, it's always good to look at a couple of examples and i want to give a big shout out to annie chess i know Sheb's in, in the audience today and he's done an amazing job with, with annie chess but looking at how, for example, the first layer of user engagement is and how we the digital assets are being leveraged. Um, if you don't know about any chess, it's it's chess with a twist. So it's chess where you're able to cast um, spells and it really changes the dynamic and the thought process around how you play chess and how you engage with, with the game where there is a finite amount of moves where all of a sudden this adding in this spell layer really changes the dynamic around it. But as with anything, we can try to go big or you can just try to put something out there and see what happens. And, and with Anichess, it was a series of mini games. And again, if you haven't, you can sign up now on the website. It's just a series of mini games, really refining your chess skills, but also introducing the new mechanics with, with the spellbinding and so on and so forth. So something like that as an experiment, you can say, as a test to see how users engage. And what we've seen so far is that the engagement has been amazing. So, yep, if, if you haven't tried that out and you enjoy chess, I think you really enjoy this. But then that's just phase one. I, I say it's phase one. It's phase one of what's publicly facing as opposed to what's been in discussions behind the scenes and what's being built behind the scenes for probably about a year or over a year now. So it's, again, it, it's this is where the building sort of behind the scenes and that iterating and, and these endless conversations happen and then you put something out it's only once something is out and it's on chain that it starts to become a slightly more challenging to change what's out there because it's live now um, it, it becomes difficult to take something back but we have that buffer space if you like until something goes live and when something goes live it's not fully released it's like all right it's it, it's alpha and then maybe pre-alpha and then open alpha and then beta and so on and so forth and slowly you grow the community um as and the community are your are your testers if you like they're your influencers they're, they're everyone your community is is everything um they they represent a large number of the different stakeholders and then it varies from game to game some game is heavily de dependent on ugc other game is just i come in and I just play and I earn some kind of rewards and then that leads me onto onto something else. So I know I've, probably, I've got off on a complete tangent, but with, with an example, you start to see what this begins to look like. And again, with, with NHS, there's been no there's been no word of a token as of yet because the focus has been on the actual game, has been on the experience, has been on get, getting people sort of to cross that, that, that chasm, if you like, coming into the ecosystem, engaging and staying within that ecosystem. And then we take it from there. Okay, my takeaway is no token yet. But yeah, I, I do love how you put into it, right? So, you know, chess itself, it's a, I would say, a common, uh, you know, common game that you always play in Web 2. But coming to Web 3, you have all of this element to put it, a twist into it, making it more fun. But we've been talking about meta games, a game, a game within a game. Like, how, how, do, how can we fully understand this concept is it a new concept that ab is trying to push or it's been a while but we have not paying attention to it and just because of you know web3 gaming is popping now we are finally talking about it okay you want to take this one i think you'll probably you can speak a lot to the metagame yeah so um essentially one of the things that we've seen is that the meta games are essentially, you know, these smaller, more compact experiences. They're targeted towards very specific audience. So like what we've seen with, you know, Blast, for example, uh, there's a strong gap in the Web3 
space for these kind of experiences. You know, they're longer paced over many months, short sessions, they're simpler in complexity, but they do have a solid foundation that we can build on, right? So as, you know, third iteration, fourth iteration, fifth iteration can include, you know, deep emergent gameplay that arises from it. So these ideas are more suited for Web3 financial um, based personas, um, and that's not to say that we're trying to separate, you know, Web2 and Web3 experiences and their audiences, you know, far from it. We're still building new and supporting those existing games. It's just that now we see strong opportunity to extend existing IP with new kind of games that serve those financially driven personas and their motivations and habits first and foremost. So this is how we're sort of like approaching the metagame, how we're building it methodically, and who we're targeting it towards. So I, I have a follow-up question, right? Um, with, with AB especially, you have tons of game, tons of IP. So will the meta game kind of like centralize everything into a particular IP? Or each game will you know, have a separate IP that is not interlinked to one another? I'll pass it to Abdul. I, I think I'll pass this one to Mo because we have to be very strategic how we answer that one. <laughs> Mo, 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 Mo. It's, Mo cool. Was it a good one? Was it a good one, bro? It was, it, it was a good one. It was a good one. It, it, was, a good one. it, it was a good question. So, I, like, the, the, like, before I answer that, just very quickly to, to finish off um, what Oko was talking about earlier on, the metagame. The metagame has existed before Web3 has existed, like before crypto even existed. And if, if we rewind back and look at what the metagame actually is, it's everything that happens outside of the game. So if you talk about, I don't know, World of Warcraft, for example, people creating fan art, the different communities that might exist on, on Reddit or on Discord and so on and so forth. All of these are different layers within the metagame. The difference when it comes to Web3 is that you're able in some shape or form to monetize some of these aspects via digital assets, via NFTs, via fungible tokens. Um, so that that's sort of like the, the evolution of metagame from a Web2 standpoint into Web3 standpoint, and that's what the technology allows us to do. But then to jump into the question that you're asking, in terms of is it just like one big centralized metagame, 100% no, because what interests people is different. And it might be that a certain IP might really interest you, and then a very different IP interests me. So centralizing that process or that interaction doesn't make sense. Because then what's, it's the, the levers to, that get us to tick are different. Even if we're both in the persona of being financially motivated, there's still something around the IP, around the law, around the attention that will allow me to engage in a different way to the way that, that you engage. Um, and then when we talk about the different engagement hooks and, and loops and, and mechanisms and, and whatnot, it varies from ecosystem to ecosystem. Having said that, there are adjacent ecosystems or it's just like, well, the IP here crosses over with the IP here, or this is the same, it might be a first-person shooter, and this is a first-person shooter. So then there can be things we can do to expand what that metagame looks like. But in terms of just like one metagame for everyone, um, I, I hope we never reach that. Because it, it, it at least in my opinion, it will be a sorry state of Web3, where we just do one thing, and we isn't explicit to AB, but is explicit to the space. Or it's just one thing that everyone buys into. Whereas we want the decentralization, we want the different ideas. Again, to reiterate something Catherine was saying earlier, it's like, it's like a hypothesis, it's an experiment whenever anything goes out and there's things we learn. Like we learn a lot from mistakes. So like, I know failure in general is seen as something negative. For us, it's, it's you learn or you win. And if you're not winning, you're learning. And it's just leveraging that learning cycles, learning curves, learning journeys, if you want, with the wins and trying to, what actually makes sense for each different ecosystem or each different metagame. Oh, I love your answer, bro. All right. Since we are on the topic of this, I actually have a segue uh, into this question, right? Because I'm, I'm particularly interested in this. You know, every time, you know, when we come into Web3, we build our profile, we buy one NFT and we buy tons of NFT, but in the end, we choose to wrap one particular NFT that we wipe to, right? Because Twitter profile, you have only one choice to make it. So, you know, Web3, we like to build our brand base of image, avatar, PFP, meta. Um, but having, for example, tons of games, you know, meta games, um, what, what do you think? Should people 
play should should it be allowed to be a choice that you know you can for example use one IP to play to all games or it's nah just one to one. Mo. Okay, cool. Is it to me? Okay. Um, <laughs> I think it's, it's it should be a choice. To be completely honest, be, 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 some okay, people want like, okay. their single maybe, representation. Maybe I give more context. All right, <laughs> right. Maybe I give more context. Right, because a lot Go of uh, a lot it. of games these days they are, they always introduce this thing called oh you know the character you can actually you know go to other games and use utilize the same IP. The idea seems sexy, but every game that is out there kind of the one to share the ip because they would rather be like you know what my character is better why not you use my ip instead so i feel like all games they would want to have that one particular ip that represents the game but the idea of you're able to share assets throughout the game is also an interesting idea and that's why assets wants to be on chain so just want to have you know your i would say you know thought about it i maybe i can pass it over to Lionel, abdul or even katrin yeah, I can give a um, quick answer to that because I'm sure uh, Olka and Catherine have a lot to say as well. I think game interoperability, um, I don't want to get fired for this, but I, I think it's like, um, it's not going to be, it's, it's not going to be a thing, right, for, for quite some time. And I think there's a lot of challenges with complete interoperability, like the type that we're thinking about it. Let's say, you know, I have a sword in World of Warcraft and I want to bring it into pixels, right? Like that direct interoperability isn't just going to work just yet. Um, you know, I, I know that it's it's been a narrative for quite some time, uh, you know, that, hey, everything's going to be on chain, you know, everyone can just utilize these assets in their own ecosystem. But there are a lot of challenges, right? So I think, um, you know, you mentioned one of them, which was like a business kind of challenge where what's in it for somebody to open source their IP? Let's say like if I were Nintendo and I had Pokemon and, I'm, and Pikachu, I'm like, hey, you guys can just use my Pikachu in any kind of, in anywhere that you want, right? So there's definitely a moat um, around IP that certain companies would feel hesitant in kind of um, releasing. Um, you know, and as well as kind of like technical challenges as well, where not just uh you know like the the this how it looks um kind of the scripts used to create the models um the conversion of things into uh, a different digital native digital format um the increased risk as well the technical risk of let's say you know you opening up your smart contract from a web3 game point of view to somebody else this increased surface area of risk um and it also becomes you know at this stage the risk to reward still isn't very clear so for example let's say like if i built in full complete interoperability to my back end to my front end it increases a lot of the cost right at the moment you kind of like future proof it so the way we design a lot of things as well is almost like we take it step by step it could be at now at, at the beginning stages it's just very high level it's just you know it's not permissionless kind of interoperability, but it's more kind of community driven, right? Let's say like, you know, we have a DAO and we want people to integrate our IPs. Let's put it to the community vote. And if everyone's happy with it, then we can kind of coordinate that. As long as like that sort of um, consensus that we listen and kind of act on the community's um, opinion and their voice, that's, I think that's something like the first step of um, what I think is better interoperability. All right. You I think to build on interoperability as well. One of the one of the difficult challenges is not just you know the the technical and and sort of like the the implementation of it, but also the design. So a lot of that was from the perspective of tokenomics, from the perspective of game design. It's also very difficult to sort of agree on you know what are the standards for interoperability within one ecosystem so even if we're talking you know something like you know uh for example mechs in rec league and mechs in phantom galaxies they both have different functions um you know cars in formula e and cars in torque drift again they both operate differently so just even agreeing on design standards is not an easy challenge and at ab we're very fortunate again to be able to uh, have all these ips under one umbrella and allow for you know this idea of sharing and and you know uh, transcending between one ip to another and even then it's still a design challenge so 
you can imagine how difficult it is for other studios and other teams that don't have that umbrella to, to implement it. If, if, you know, if we're saying it's, it's a bit of a struggle from, you know, design and technical and Web3, um, you know, you have to trust us and that, you know, studios that are hyping this up, that, you know, they're going to be the ones to, to apply it next. I, I take that with, uh, with a bit of a grain of salt because it's, it's already very difficult, um, even design-wise as well. All right, uh, I want to pass it over to May first. Hand raise, go ahead, bro. Maeve? Oh, this guy, my co-host. Please forgive him, guys. Uh, <laughs> Maeve knows, but the question is, what does what does Maeve know? He doesn't. He he knows how to raise his hand, but he you know when time's up, it's not he's not here to ask the question. But yeah, um, I I love. How, how you guys explain on it, right? Uh, and it feels like meta game. I'm not too sure this is actually the first time that I heard um, this kind of phrase that people use, especially in, with you guys, right? And I think it's an interesting concept because it's all about, you know, in-game assets. Oh, Maeve, can you hear me, bro? Nah, he can't hear. All right, I'll, I'll DM him, I'll DM him. Forgive him, guys. Uh, he's my co-host, so please forgive him. But yeah, I want to go on into what the, the audience size of things, right? Um, like you said, you guys mentioned a lot of games that you guys have been working with. Um, do you think the audience for all of these games are the same? For example, people who like to play Farcana, they are the same people who like to play Reclick. They are the same people who like to play Talk. Um, is, is that same or it's different and based on like different games do all of these tokenomic structure ip varies from each other uh let me pass it over to katrin i will let oka answer the stuff on game design as uh, on personas as he's a game designer but uh in terms of tokenomics no they would they would have to be there'll be slight differences for every ecosystem depending on what you're trying to achieve and things like that there may be some things that will overlap but there will definitely be like discrepancies depending on what the in-game mechanics are, how 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 they want people to be able to interact with the wider system, if they want to have the interoperability layer, how that works, do they want to be multi-chain? All of these different things will will um, affect the tokenomics and how we do them. And there isn't there is no such thing as like we can we can make a template, but for every template you have to modify it, change it significantly, and. Uh, uh, make significant edits. There's there's no standard model that we can just use and just say, here's a gaming template. This will work fine. Okay. Okay. Be before I pass it over to Liner, I want to ask you, since you you are in terms of tokenomics, the person to ask the question, right? I feel there is a significant way in terms of how people get these tokens, right? For example, nowadays there has like the farming uh, meta where people have to, you know, post stuff, you know, do the farming kind of stuff to get token. So what if someone who is, you know, keen to get all of this, for example, the benefits of token, making some money in the game, but they are lazy, um that they don't want to put the time in playing the game do all of this meta for example meta game still is relevant to them i think this is this is the this is always going to be the the ongoing challenge is we have a lot of people in the web3 space that maybe don't have time to play games or it's not their interest and stuff like that but they do hold these tokens so it's how can we in some way engage them with the ecosystem in a meaningful way that they're adding contributing but without having to have them directly engage or play the game. And this is kind of the meta layer that we're building at the moment. Yeah, because uh, if you ask me, I'm, I'm lazy <laughs> to play games. Uh, I, don't play, I, I don't play much game, but I don't want to be left out in terms of all the tokens, airdrops, right? Yes. And that is just, you know, 24 hours a day in, 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 in one day, you can't play all of the hype games, for example, five different games. You kind of like need to maybe maximum, I would say two games, and then you miss out on the other token stuff, right? So because there's just so many golden nuggets these days on Web3. So how do someone navigate in this kind of stuff? I feel like um, my, my audience is more towards the DGEN. So when they come here, they'd be like, all right, since we're talking about token, what can I do? Tell me more right now. Tell me, Lionel, right now. What should I do to have to able to maximize my token backs? 
that's a difficult question um, um so i mean it really depends right so if, if the question is coming from a consumer side how do you kind of maximize your airdrops and all that kind of stuff i i think it's to be honest like for me the way that i've done it as well is just to focus on kind of the protocols and the projects that i'm personally interested in so I think going back to your previous question around like whether the audiences are the same for all these different games for different protocols, I think it's not. So, for example, um, I wouldn't play certain game genres even if the financial upside is massive, and that's just because I'm just not that interested in it. And time is money, right? And right now in the space, there is a lot of um, opportunities out there. So you can't possibly catch them all it's not it's not gonna be like pokemon um but you can catch quite a majority of them just based on what you're naturally interested in so i think like for us a lot of our time as well is spent outside of office hours just following and chasing up what we personally are interested in so we all have different verticals that we're passionate about and that's where we naturally spend time in um yeah but i think on the flip side from a designer side of things um, we, you know, we completely understand that we need to ensure that we design meta games to accommodate a variety of personas. So there will be some that are just, hey, play this game, you get a token, right? So I think right now there's this whole play to airdrop um, narrative going around. And the only way to get these tokens is to play the game. And as you guys rightly said and kind of pointed out, there is, you know, only 36 hours in a day. Um, well, like for us. So uh, there is a limited amount of time. And so from a design perspective, it's kind of a identifying which kind of personas are going to be playing your uh, meta game or playing your game and then designing different types of activations for those different groups. So for example, let's say if I were an infra project, um, I could launch a whole like education um, questing um, initiative. But at the same time, I could use within that um, questing initiative, a, highlight a couple of different protocols from different verticals. Like I could highlight a game, I could highlight uh, a DeFi app, I could highlight a SocialFi app. And from a designer's perspective, is to ensure that there is an equal allocation of tokens for all of these different different um, initiatives. Um, so that way, like if you don't have time and you're not interested in playing the game, there are other ways of um, earning those tokens. Because you know, in addition to participating and spending time, I think one thing as well um, that we kind of look at is active participation in governance. So, you know, if gaming is in your cup of tea, maybe it's contributing in other ways. So I think on top of that as well, I'm just going on a massive tangent right now. Like one interesting kind of um, criteria for airdrops is um, the way that Optimism did it. So there's a bunch of different criteria from, you know, you had to like bridge across things, you had to do, uh swaps you had to vote it, it really targets um a whole host and you know you can't hit them all but you don't have to all right that is a good answer but uh Maeve actually texted me this answer uh this question i'm going to read word by word all right so if it's a tough one do not blame me he, his question is this my question is i trust ab what should i ape in who wants to answer this? I think he knows the answer already. It's there are a number of different PFPs that you can see straight away uh, <laughs> um, within here. Now, Maeve, Maeve knows this is why his name is Maeve knows on um, on Twitter. He already knows the answers to to those questions. Maybe we should be asking him. <laughs> yep, yep. But uh, I want to just open up the floor. So as I mentioned in the beginning of the space, we have three Mocha ID to give away. So all you have to do is click on the request button. I'll bring you guys up and you can ask the team. Do not ask me because I do not know anything about token, but do ask the team. So I see lady, you requested. I'm going to bring you up. Everybody, just one question, all right? Just one question. Um, come on up, ask the team everything you need to know to survive this, I would say, to make profit in this bull market, maybe. Go ahead, lady. Okay, I'm connected GM everybody. Such a nice day. Um, I'm so excited to participate in this conversation. Loving it so much. 
Um, yeah, guys, having in mind how many amazing speakers we have in here, I really want to ask, <laughs> what is your favorite or in your opinion, most significant game powered by Animoca brands so far? Oh, that's that's a tough one. It's like asking me to choose who's my favorite son, and I've got two sons. But you have. Um, but you have. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I just, I just hope my, my other half isn't listening to this face. Um, but you have oh, to choose, you know? That's, that's the tricky part. Ha, ha, <laughs> I have to choose one. Okay, so just based off of the, the different things I've played in the last maybe 48 hours, I'm thoroughly enjoying what Annie Chess is doing. Um, but I do have to give just a few mention or, um, or notable shout outs. So I know Skyborne are building some really interesting stuff. Um, yeah, re um, Revolving Game Studio. So I know Amar is, is listening in. I'm just trying to see who else is here. Um, other games, we have our Tower ecosystem. So Tower, it's actually a free to play mobile game. And we've sort of had a, a, a separate approach from Web 2 to Web 3. So again, depends on, on the game genre as well. Big shout out to Life Beyond with what they're doing because they're building a triple A AAA MMO RPG experience and that's going to be powered by Bitcoin as well. So there's, there's loads of different things happening. And if, if you're into fashion, um, BNV, um, they've got a proposal in ApeCoin DAO right now. They're doing some really interesting stuff there as well. So if you own any blue chip NFT assets, you can start sort of merging your assets with different clothing items. So I know it's not a game in the conventional sense, but there's, there's yeah, there's different things happening and I'm personally exposed to so much. I'm just trying to pick what's off the top of my mind, but definitely strict to gaming. I'm loving what Annie Chess is doing. Like I'm spending more time than I should trying to solve all of the puzzles in the first go without, without getting any hints, a bit of pride in there and just trying to win some, some cool chess pieces as well. Thank you so yeah, much. So I think for me, I'm the I'm I'm sort of like the the resident uh, gamer, you know, as uh, as the person who's focused a lot on game design. I have to my vertical is sort of like playing all the games, even you know ones that I may not personally uh, be aligned with, both uh, outside our ecosystem and in the Web two space, uh, just so I can sort of like understand what uh, other players in the market are doing. And for me, I think what I'm most excited about is a couple of unannounced uh, projects that we have going on for Mochaverse. So I can't talk into too much detail about them, but uh, I think bro. there's... You got like a nope, little bit, bro. it's not going to happen. You just came here to torture us. Like, you know, yes. yesterday I have asked, where's the meat? And today, stop torturing us. <laughs> okay, okay. Stop. First off, first off, uh, lady, I know you've been coming on to my spaces and ask people this one question. Where is the meat? Uh, it's, it's a PG-13 space. So do not show your meats, guys. Do not show your meat. Um, but yeah, uh, go, 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 go on, go on, bro. Yeah, I was just saying like, can't go into too much detail, but I think there's a lot to be excited about for Mochaverse uh, that uh, you know we're we're working on in the background. Okay, then uh, I feel like same question. I want to pass it over to Catherine. How about you? Um, so at the moment, the 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 kind of the two that I've been playing are uh, Annie Chess and Pixels. Of what I've been enjoying at, uh, most recently. So. Oh. I'm, I'm like I'm, I'm okay. like quite. A, I'm, I like to collect. I like to finish things. So once I start things, I get a bit obsessive with them. So my goal. I've now got a whole collect chest selection to complete. I now need to be a optimal farmer and beekeeper and all these other things. So that is taking up my time currently outside of work. Okay, I, I love it. Um, you guys do token and play the game. I think that is a good combination. All right. Uh, since it's Time's up. I'm going to ask uh, Liner the same question as well. How about you? Um, I think for me, the, the game I've probably played the most in the recent few days is probably the Grapes set of games. Um, just because they're super hyper casual, it's really quick and easy to pick up. Um, I wish I had more time to play games though. But in terms of the alpha, in terms of like which game main kind of like um, portfolio companies I'm most excited about. I think there were a couple that I saw in the speaker list um, who are launching something very soon. So I think that that's all I'm going to say, right, in terms of leaking something. 
um, if you guys like look around, like there are a couple of really great projects um, um, in the spaces at the moment. All right, bro. Uh, my my DMs are yeah, open. I might, I might I might I might be a bit more direct. <laughs> so um, watch watch the space for for SFT um, with with DT. There's some some very interesting stuff happening there, and also Mister Lion with Breathonics. Some very very interesting stuff happening there as well. I'm just trying to see who else that we haven't given a shout out to that's in the audience for us to give a shout out to and the Sultan as well with, with Valeria. So Valeria building actually, I was on a call with the team last week, I think it was. Um, they're building some really cool stuff as well. So yes, credit where it's due across, again, partners within the Animoca ecosystem, but also people outside of the Animoca ecosystem who are building some really cool shit as well. Okay, I heard that is a manga token. That is a HRZ token. So Mo, uh, just give me a thumbs up and thumbs down. I know whether I'm right or wrong. If not, I'll just DM you. But guys, you heard it. Uh, it's time's up. We are at the one hour mark. I hope you guys uh, do like the whole conversation that we are going. So first off, shout out to the speakers here who join in and answer all my ridiculous questions and also to the listeners down there right now we are at 189 people so uh hope you guys enjoy this space um who knows maybe ab don't want me after this maybe ab wants me to host more let's see but i'll definitely have a great one hour time with you guys and guys do check them out and this coming wednesday as well we will have a special segment with Animoca Brands and that time we have DT to share the alpha as well. So stay tuned guys this Wednesday 10:30 p.m. at 10:30 p.m. Hong Kong time. Once again, thank you for tuning into The Rise of Web3 Meta Game by Animoca Brand hosted by myself Puke Rainbow. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you, bro. Bye-bye. Thank you everyone for listening in. Thanks guys. Thank you. Hey. Hey.